Welcome to an Arkansas AgCast Deep Dive, where we take a closer look at news that impacts you. The Arkansas AgCast is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Well, welcome everybody to the first episode of the AgCast Deep Dive series. We developed this series as a way to break away from the ag news headlines and take a closer look at a topic that matters to our members. As always, the show is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau. I'm the host of today's episode, John McMinn, and I'm glad to welcome my colleague and fellow economist, Jake Cartwright, to the show. Jake, welcome. Man, it's it's really good to be here. Yeah, you uh, excited? I am, yeah. Uh, you know, I think I've kind of been after you since you guys... Yeah, uh, you have. You really started. Put I've, me I've on the podcast, on the man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if it was a... If it was a radio... I was telling my wife this this morning. I was like, you know, if it was a radio show yeah. when I was down here... Uh, I would I would say uh, long time listener first time caller. There you go. Yeah. Is there an expression for a podcast like for that? Uh, I mean it works. I guess you know both ways. So now you could be the first time commenter. First time commenter. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, yeah. Well, Jake's been on me pretty bad about wanting to get on the podcast. I think he's jealous. To be honest with you. Maybe a little. Yeah, but uh, well, you're here now I am. for our deep dive, and we we uh, we brought Jake on. Because due to a story I gave, uh, or that he gave me, that I gave on the podcast about beef and cold storage. But before we get into that, uh, Jake, tell us a little bit about yourself and for some of our listeners that may not know who you are, where you're from, how'd you get to where you are today? All right, yeah. What do you do here at Farm Bureau? Uh, all right, well, uh, I'm Jake Cartwright. Uh, I've been here actually one year to the day. Today wow. is my, my anniversary. one year anniversary. It look, time flies. That feels yeah. like it was just yesterday yep. that Jake <laughs> came on board. So it's, it's been a fast year for me. Too. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I grew up in Harrison. That's yep. uh, northwest Arkansas. It's kind of my my old stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, went to school several places, but I uh, got my degrees in uh, animal science and agriculture business, and yep. then uh, finishing up a master's in agriculture economics. Um, awesome. And then uh, you know it was just it was honestly perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right as I was finishing up my degree, um, this job came open here, yep. and I had. Uh, through a mutual acquaintance, uh, he he was friends with uh, some of the the directors of uh, our department. Yeah, and, um, he gave me a call one day and said, "You guys are looking," and he thought I'd be a good fit. And and man, I I haven't looked back since. Yeah, it's been great. Awesome, so, cool. So, what's your title here at Farm Bureau? So I am uh, the director of commodity activities and economics. Yeah, um, and I cover our beef, dairy, and equine divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, get to cover a lot of our state fair efforts yeah. um, through my livestock uh, associations. Okay. So, um, and cool. then anything kind of forage related, I pick up. Uh, so everybody, I think everybody on our, on our team's kind of a, a jack of all trades. Uh, so, but I get to I get to do a lot. And I really enjoy it. Well, good. We're we're happy to have you. And uh, you know, just to take some of the nerves off, this this podcast isn't going to be video. It's going to be audio only this time. So you know, it's kind of disappointing. I is uh, it? I, you know, I sat in my closet this morning, and uh, I think everything I own is checkered. <laughs> and at some yeah. point, somebody's told me that that checkered clothes don't work out. With they the don't. Camera. They don't pick up on video yeah. very well. And so I really I really work trying to to not get a checkered shirt. Uh, yeah, I'm still relieved. Well, if you're so. anything like me, um, there's only like five shirts in the week that I can wear to work. Yeah. So, and there's probably some checkers in there too. Yep. But let's go ahead and get into it. So, let's start with just giving an overview of beef storage, you know, beef and cold storage. Give us a definition of what is that exactly that 
that does that mean for somebody that doesn't know? Yeah. Uh, so beef and cold storage uh, is a metric that the USDA uses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of a lesser when you talk about uh, you know kind of your metrics of beef production. Everybody thinks of you know cattle on feed. Yeah. Uh, you have your your harvest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the beef cutout. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of mainstream ways we measure this stuff. But uh, beef and cold storage. Mm-hmm is really just as important. Um, so what it is, is there are um, about 150 different items uh, that the USDA takes reports on that range from dairy products to fruits and nuts, vegetables, poultry, red meats, everything. Yeah. Um, they have uh, about 800 facilities in 48 states in the U.S. that, wow. that report uh, monthly for them. And... Uh, it's not necessarily um it's not like the products that are sitting you know like at a uh like a food distributor it's the step before that okay um, it's kind of an intermediary stage between the the end of the production cycle and the beginning of the consumer cycle. so we're not talking about halves and holes or quarters we're talking about loins and yep cuts of beef and uh, yep. ground beef and yep and so uh you know and when we talk about beef and storage uh, specifically um you know really it, it's dominated by ground beef yeah uh, about 90 percent of the beef and cold storage uh at any given time is gonna be ground beef okay uh, so why is this metric and this beef and cold storage numbers why is that inventory number important and what we show or what you showed me was that that number was going down, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think when you talk about why it's important, um, you know, there's several, several factors to think of, uh, for a producer. Um, it's really important, uh, to give you a metric of how much has been produced, um, how much is being consumed and how much is left over that still needs to get to the consumer. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have, great innovations in uh, being able to store uh, our red meat products, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to a hundred years ago, when you think about, um, you know, the ability to, to harvest an animal and be able to eat it at a later time, Uh, cold storage and our technologies and that have have tremendously helped, but there's still a shelf life. Yeah. I would imagine electricity helps a lot with that. It does. It does help (laughs) a lot. Uh, You know, there's still a shelf life. And so you can't, uh, you can't freeze beef forever. Yeah. It has to be moved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, this metric really gives us a good look at how much is sitting there and what needs to move Um, from a consumer side. Yeah. uh, You know, it, it gives a good indication of uh, kind of the affordability Mm-hmm. of the product if people aren't buying it you're going to get a little bit of a backup in uh, cold storage or uh you know if you look at an export um, side of things yeah. you know if if we're just producing so much in the u.s um that we can't eat it all here it's going to give you some sign that that's another market that we can export that meat to as well okay. so it's kind of it's important for a lot of industries really yeah. so well does a large amount in cold storage mean people are buying less beef No, not really. Um, You know, in this this case of of where we were at uh, when I first talked to you about this a few months ago, um, you know, and kind of give an overview here. uh, When you look at our beef and cold storage trends year over year, uh, you have this this peak, um, usually somewhere in there christmas uh to january time where we have tons of cold beef in storage um, yeah. and then you have a huge trough down there 
July, August time. Um, and that kind of reflects the one, the production cycle of cattle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cattle aren't some people, you know, some people have, they have cattle, they're born all year round at all different times, but a lot of producers are producing spring and fall calves. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when you have all those animals the same age and they're hitting the feedlots and the harvest facilities at the same time, you get big peaks in production. Yeah. Uh, but we also have kind of a cyclical demand for uh, consumption of beef. And so, you know, everybody, and when you, when you hit summertime, uh, there's huge, you know, everyone wants to have barbecues, hamburgers. And yeah, Memorial Day weekend was just here, and yep. 4th of July is coming up. Yep. And so uh, we see big, big dips in the cold beef storage as well. Uh, what was really interesting this last year um, was we never, so if you look at, take a, a trend line, a five-year average yeah. of how much beef we have in cold storage. Every year we get way above it. Every year we get way below it. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in, I think it was uh, probably October of 21, we jumped back above that trend line and we never came back below it until this last month. Uh, so we had from 2021 all the way through 2022 and now to 2023, where we never saw that big dip in yeah. our beef and cold storage. Why do you um, think that is? So the reason the reason for that is we had a tremendous year. Uh, we had more beef harvested in the U.S. last year than we've ever had before. Yeah. It was record harvest amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large, large portion of those animals uh, were older um, cattle that people were reducing from their herds. Yeah. And so, you know, when you, when you think about you go to a steakhouse and you're getting, you know, a nice steak. Um, so a large number of those animals uh, were steers and heifers yeah. that were uh, raised and harvested uh, kind of with that, that tenderness and that flavorability in yeah. mind. Um, this last year we had really bad drought. Uh, we had really, really actually relatively good prices for mature cattle. Yeah. And we had a lot of producers that uh, reduced their herd sizes. And when you reduce your herd size, those animals go into the food supply chain. Um, and really, those older animals uh, are mostly utilized uh, for ground beef. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a huge, huge harvest numbers, huge production numbers, but a lot of that was also accounted to ground beef. And yep. as I said earlier, uh, about 90% of the beef in storage is ground beef. So it's crazy. Um, it, it really brings the trend up um what we've seen the last month that's that's really kind of an interesting uh market driver i think and that's what we talked about a couple months ago was that uh this beef and cold storage is going to fall off yeah Um, our cattle cycle is kind of getting into the point where uh we're getting to a smaller number Mm -hmm. Uh, people are contracting herds um, as a result of that you're going to have less cattle on feed. When you have less cattle on feed, you harvest less animals and you have less in storage. Uh, and this is the first time uh, these last two months now since 2021 that we've gotten back below that five-year average, which really signals that our production and harvest numbers are starting to tail off a little bit. Our, our consumption is catching up with our production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where does it look like numbers will go as we move forward in this decreasing phase of this cattle cycle? You know, that's uh, that's a really hard question to answer. I bet you can do uh, it. I got, I got confidence. So 
I kind of sat down before we had this had this interview, and uh, I I did my best to crunch numbers. And, and the first go around, I came up, you know, I tried to use some some numbers with inflation yeah. and some production numbers and historical numbers, and mm-hmm. I came up with absolutely radical uh, prices. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down, and I just kind of asked myself, uh, given where we're at and where I think we're going, what would be some reasonable numbers to give on here? So. Uh, you know, uh, I like to tell everybody when I go out to speak to counties that economists are like uh, weathermen. Uh, yep. We can give you the best prediction we can uh, with what we have right now, but it could all change the minute I get done recording this. So. Yeah, I, 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 I talk about the same thing when, on the podcast all the time when yep. Jason asked me, what does economists really do? Yep. It's like, you know, we, we don't talk in absolutes. I'll just put yep. it that way. <laughs> so, yeah, every Everything uh, is is my uh, my old professor uh, who's now at University of Arkansas, John Anderson. Uh, yeah. He runs the, the Friar Risk Management Center. Uh, the first day of his class, he asked a question, and, and I uh, raised my hand, and I responded, and I said, it depends. Mm-hmm. And he lit up. You know, he was like, that is the perfect economist answer. <laughs> it depends. And so, That's true. Uh, yeah. But so when I sat down, I kind of started crunching some numbers, um, you know, I think realistically, uh, we're probably looking at about $5 ground beef this summer, okay. $5 a pound um, for the consumer. Uh, when you talk about um, fat cattle prices, uh, looking at where the Chicago board is trading at and uh, kind of projecting uh, where the trend's looking to go, I think about $1.70 a pound on fat cattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 170 100 weight, depending on how you look at that. And then uh, box beef cutout is kind of... Uh, a metric of the value of that animal once it's harvested. And I think we're probably looking at about a $325 that's per hundred weight. So 325 yeah. a pound on box beef cutout. And uh, just if somebody doesn't know what box beef cutout is, uh, the USDA takes those numbers. They average what uh, all the parts of a harvested uh, like steer is yeah. worth. Excuse me. And, uh, they uh, break it down per pound of what the value of that carcass is. So if I say a $325 hundred weight, uh, that would mean $3.25 pounds, and your average carcass is probably uh, six to 800 pounds. So, so you, what, do you, what do you think consumers can expect to see in the grocery store? How much of an increase do you think this potentially could have on people? Uh, you know, I looked up and I don't remember off the top of my head right now. Well, uh, we're economists. It's all what, right. uh, what ground beef was selling for right now. I haven't, my wife does the grocery shopping, so <laughs> I haven't bought ground beef in, in a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think you're probably looking, I think ground beef, uh, like national average, you were sitting somewhere around 480. Uh, yep. so you're probably looking at a 20 to 30 cent increase yep. per pound on ground beef. Um, you know, the, I don't necessarily think uh, as a consumer, you're not going to go to the store and not be able to get something. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we, when we talk about these increases and decreases and, uh, you know, uh, where we're at right now as far as production. So uh, as of April was the first time we talked about this. Uh, our cold beef in storage uh, was at 402 million and some change pounds. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a ton of cold beef, and it is. But when you divide that out by the U.S. population, it's uh, about one and a quarter pounds per person. Okay. Um, when I go back to 2014, uh, July of 2014 was the last last time it kind of bottomed out. Uh, you were still over a pound per person of beef in cold storage. Okay. So it, it's a huge change. Uh, it, that was about 60 million pounds difference uh, in storage, but there's still 
going to be a supply there for people. Okay. I don't think you're going to have consumers not being able to get it. I do think, uh, you know, as a consumer, uh, everything is supply and demand. Yeah. And so as the supply decreases, uh, I think, you know, you're going to start seeing uh, kind of some competitive pricing on, mm-hmm. especially uh, your more premium uh, cuts of beef. You know, I think uh, your briskets when you get into smoking season, uh, I think your, you know, your steaks and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. They're, they're going to increase more than ground beef is. Well, that was my next question for you was, you know, we talk about supply and demand, supply and demand on here and how basic it is. But, and you know, and you answered it. This is just another factor of it or another example of it. And, can is this something that is this the new norm that can consumers can expect or do you see prices going down if we can somehow increase our herd over the next several years uh you know it's if we hadn't had uh the pandemic yeah i could tell you that uh you know we're still and i think you can attest to this Mm -hmm. as an economist it was like the pandemic was this at least for us you know it was a once in a lifetime knock on wood hopefully event that just completely hopefully turned every something we'd never seen before uh, yeah every market on its head uh and and so i think you know we're really even through 22 i think we were still scrambling with trying to make out mm-hmm. what it had done to our numbers and where we were at i think 2023 is the first year we can really look at uh, production data price data and really um come away with a, a decent idea of what a new normal is. Okay. So I you know, obviously I don't I don't think we're ever gonna get back to a point to where uh you got two dollar fifty cent or three dollar pound ground beef. Okay. Uh, I think I think, you know, four dollars might be, you know, kind of as low as, as a consumer sees it get down to, but I think probably uh and it all depends on inflation and everything like mm-hmm. that. But you know, this four and a half to five five dollar range of pound is probably kind of your new your new normal. Um, as far as uh, cattle prices go, you know, uh, I think we talk a lot about you know the cattle cycle. So the U.S. Uh, cattle industry kind of works in a ten year cycle, yeah. where you have uh, expansion and contraction, and, and your prices follow that. Um, it it's hard to guess where the prices are going to end up. We're going to have really good cattle prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, given all the numbers and indicators for the next year or two. Uh, just yep. like if you're, a, if you were producing cattle back in, uh, 13, 14, you know, it was, it was the, the last time we had a dip in the cattle cycle yeah. uh, and it was kind of just like this. We had a drought year. There's a lot of sell off. Uh, we had a huge reduction in numbers. Prices got really good. And then people started regaining their herds, uh, as a producer, you know, I think, I think we're going to have really good numbers for the next couple of years, and it's going to reach a more level place. Okay. Uh, when I talked to counties, I was at a county last week talking to them about this, and uh, the one thing I say is I don't think that last go-around on the cattle cycle, you had a huge uh, run back up on prices, and that made a huge run back up on production. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have that this go-around um, because 2014-2015 uh, – uh, most of your interest rates on your farm loans uh, were probably 5% or less. Uh, I pulled a metric a couple of weeks ago that was showing interest rates on farm loans uh, yeah. uh, for this first quarter of 2023, and uh, 70 over 70% of them were over 7% interest. Oh, yeah. And so uh, when you talk about uh, regrowing our production cycle, uh, when you have 
interest rates over 7%, um, 8%, wherever they end up at, that discourages people from going out and borrowing money uh, to increase their herds to take advantage of these prices. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think we're going to have a, a steady increase on prices for a couple of years. And I think we're probably going to reach a point uh, where we can determine a new normal. That was a that was a long economist answer to answer a simple question, but <laughs> it all depends. It all depends. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, uh, I know with all of our guests here, I think you're the third one. Uh, we're starting a new thing here, so uh, but we, we like to ask a question at the end that's just a little fun and a little lighthearted. So right. we're talking about beef, right? And we yeah. talk about how much uh, Jake and I in the department talk about cooking and stuff like that. Tell us, how does Jake Cartwright cook a, a ribeye, a thick-cut ribeye? It depends on if it I'm depends. eating it or if my wife's eating it. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I like my steak right there in between rare and medium rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm not necessarily the guy that eats the, the cool center, yeah. uh, but it does not have to be, it has to be warm. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to eat cold meat, but uh, okay. uh, if you if you cook it to where the middle of that ribeye is warm enough uh, to where it doesn't feel gross in my mouth, that's all I need. Yeah. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, and they say you you marry your opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a well done steak eater when Ooh. I married her, and we've gotten her down to medium well now. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, as time progresses, we can keep stepping her down the. She's not using ketchup, is she? No, oh, no, okay. she's not using ketchup. Uh, that was that would have been a deal breaker. <laughs> it I, wouldn't work out. You know, <laughs> what kind of monster eats ketchup? On so steak? you cooking your steak in the skillet or on the grill or the oven or you know it's reverse sear. You know, I was a I was, I was a grill cooker for uh, for a long time. I think, and I'm a charcoal guy. I don't like I don't like propane. I think it adds I'm a flavor. Way, yeah, adds a flavor to the food. I think you know, good charcoal uh, really adds a lot of flavor to that steak. Um, over this winter, though, uh, it was nasty outside a couple of days, and uh, I took and I made some steaks first in a cat. I'd uh, got a cast iron skillet on the mm-hmm. stove, uh, and I put some butter in there and I got it real hot and I seared those steaks on the stove and yeah. then, uh, put them in the oven and finished them off in the oven and they were phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly so. like, I'm getting hungry now. I should have yeah. asked you that question. Yeah. It was, it was one of the, one of the better <laughs> preparations of a steak I've personally ever done. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of open to trying new stuff. It sounds better than the burgers I burnt this weekend. Yeah. So, well, that's enough steak talk. It's too close to lunch for me, Jake. So man, I really appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks for being with us. You know, if you keep on giving us some good information, you might find yourself on here again <laughs> one of these days. Man, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I hope I, uh, you know, you call this the deep dive. So yeah. I hope I didn't dive too deep. I didn't hope I didn't lose anybody through this, but uh, I really appreciate getting to be on. And uh, just if anybody that's listening uh, has any questions whatsoever, uh, you know, we're, we're a resource to our membership and, and to the state. So please reach out and uh, get a hold of us and, and ask us anything. Yeah, Jake answers all of his phone calls and responds to all of his emails. So with time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That wraps up the special edition of the Arkansas AgCast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this deep dive episode. We'll continue bringing on guests to take closer look at topics important to our members. Remember, you can catch new weekly episodes of the Arkansas AgCast every Thursday afternoon. Find video episodes on Facebook and YouTube. Listen to the audio version on iTunes or Spotify. And make sure to subscribe and leave us a review when you have a few extra minutes. Arkansas AgCast is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau. I'm John McMinn. We'll see you next time.